welcome to Six Sad World. I'm Jasmine. And I'm Mari. So it turned out that despite the fact that Audacity was set to record from my proper mic, yeah. it was recording from my laptop mic. So if you've been wondering why our quality has dropped from the past two, yeah. two episodes, that's that's why. Yeah. So I fixed it. I figured it out. Um, we're also really excited because the power just came back. Woo! It's been out for like three hours. Yeah, like literally Jasmine came over to record. We sat down and we're like, we're going to record in like five minutes. And then the power went out. And we're like, oh, okay. Cool. This is this is how it's going to be. Okay, Storm. All right. I see you. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this episode, um, I'm sure you'll all be happy to know that it is going to be a regular length episode. Yes, it won't be like 24 years long, so. Yeah, I actually learned how to like parse my information down a little bit. Exactly. Um, I also just didn't take on as big of a case as like Charles Manson and Dyatlov, so. Yeah, those are, those are, those are big ones. Yeah. So, this episode, and there's also not going to be a crime update. No. Because, do-do-do-do-do, we have <sighs> social media. Yes. Um, I don't know what state they're going to be in um, by you the guys. time this episode <laughs> goes up, um, but we literally just made the accounts. So you can follow us on Instagram. Yep, which is Six Sad World. Um, there's underscores between all the words, but if you just type in Six Sad World pod, you'll find us. Yeah. It's good. And on Twitter, which I will be handling, will be, um, you can find us at Six Sad World SSW, because somebody stole my handle. They stole it before this podcast actually made it onto its feet. But that's not <laughs> the point. Okay. So, this week's episode. Yes, this week. I am honor of Father's Day, as Father's Day is coming up on Sunday. You guys are in for a treat. This episode is all about dads, or rather, fathers in crime. Yes. He's trying to do a pun on partners in crime, but it's fathers. Laugh at my jokes. Ha! <laughs> Did that fill your yeah, need to? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's good enough. I can just put in the joy and actual <laughs> enjoyment in my head. Um, so, because I have no relationship with my own father, I'd originally planned on just doing the show on Family Annihilators, and if you're wondering, um, Family Annihilators are killers who kill all or most of their family in one kind of spree or mass killing. Yeah, which I didn't know, so. Yeah, and you learn something new every day. You're never too old to learn, guys. About murder. <laughs> um, but just because I have daddy issues and long, deep seated <laughs> daddy issues. And they're justified dad issues. They really are. Jasmine can attest. Yes, I can. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean that all ba- dads and fathers are bad. No. Um, so don't worry. This episode's not going to be a total downer. Um, I mean, kind of usually is, but... <laughs> We're going to try to sprinkle a you little bit of... signed on for a murder podcast, so a murder podcast is what you're going to get. Yeah. So, talking about this episode, Jasmine and I realized how much responsibility um, choosing our content would be. Yeah. Um, so, originally when we were first talking about it, as I mentioned, I was like, family annihilators, let's just be heavy and dark and like fuck dads and whatever and then I was sitting uh thinking about it because Jasmine was like 
hey, we're doing, we're planning a lot of heavy episodes. Can we have something lighter? Yeah. Was- uh, later. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, for sure. And then I was sitting there and I was like, maybe we should just lighten up the episode a bit. Because <laughs> um, don't get me wrong. I love, well, I don't love, but part of the really cool thing about doing this podcast is being able to talk about all these different cases that come along. But sometimes it, like, for example, the cults episode, was it the cult episode? I believe it was. After that one, oh my goodness. Oh, yeah. It was... That was... That one I, like, I didn't... Like, normally when we record, I'm basically ready to pick my next case. Yeah. Immediately after. Like, I won't even have edited it or anything. I'll just be like, yeah, I'm on board. And then, um, like, I did the cult episode and I was like, I'm tired. Yeah, I just felt so drained. Men are bad. (laughs) And we had, like, a whole bunch of other... Um, themes lined up that were also going to be very, very depressing. And I was like, hey, maybe we should just throw one one little light thing in. So, you uh, know. So, yeah, we, we decided that this episode wasn't going to be just that. Yeah. Um, but we also, um, like, we were also discussing other cases that I might do, because I went through, like, three different cases. You did. And they went on a scale of Horrible to the worst thing you could ever imagine. <laughs> Which is the best scale to be. <laughs> um, it's a great scale. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of went with the mid one. Uh, it's only like slightly more horrible than the first one. But yeah. Both of them were not as horrible um, as another one. Yeah. We decided that this content wouldn't be off the table. Just, you know, spread it out over the course of... We know Father's Day can be triggering yeah. or upsetting or whatever word you want to use um, for it. For many people, you know, abuse victims, people who don't have fathers, mm-hmm. um, you know, any number of things. Yeah. And we didn't want, you know, those people to feel like there was absolutely nothing in this episode for them and it would just be triggering and trauma and you know, bad things. So we, we wanted to, despite the fact that we, we did want, we do want to talk about these hard issues. We just thought timing wise, it was inappropriate. Mm -hmm. Um, and we do really want our listeners to feel like we care about you because we do, we care about your mental health. We care about your safety. We want you to feel safe while you're listening. That's why content warnings were one of the first things we decided on when we did this. Um, so yeah, we yeah. just help you up- update you guys on what direction we're kind of going in and how we're going to conduct our episodes from here on out. Yeah. So yeah, going forward, we're going to be, we're going to try to be more balanced. We're going to take your feelings, your health um, into consideration. You know, when we talk about inappropriate things, we're going to make sure that there's going to be other stuff that you can listen to as well. That yes. You can skip through half of it and not feel like you're missing an entire... We don't want to completely alienate our listeners who may or may not be able to listen to certain content or who come here for, you know, some of the more fun stuff we, we, we may do from time to time, you know? Yeah. All right. So, that being said... Let's I'm... go! <laughs> Let's get ready for the list murders. Um, so, content warning. This is a murder case. Um, it is mostly gun violence, um, and there is a lot of talk of religion, 
specifically Lutheran Christianity. Okay. Um, so, um, if I can think of anything else that might, you know, kind of, like, come up, I'll warn you as we get there. All right, I'm excited. So, the first time I actually heard about this case was on an episode of My Favorite Murder, which is another podcast which everyone but Jasmine seems to know. Yep. <laughs> I'm that person. <laughs> That's fine. I'm usually that person. Um, but there's also an episode to do with it on Forensic Files, which is pretty interesting. Um, and... Yeah, it, that's on Netflix, and it's the first episode of Collection 3, by the way, if you're looking for it. Um, I get into way more detail, though, so just saying. <laughs> Not to toot your own horn, but... <laughs> I'm better than Forensic Files. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, to start off with, I've got, like, this, like, story to Ooh. get you into the... Ooh, I'm excited. So, in 1989, a man going by the name of Robert P. Clark lived in Richmond, Virginia with his wife, Dolores. He was part of a Lutheran church congregation and was an accountant at H&R Block. Um, so specific. I love finding little bits of information yeah. that are just so specific. Um, he liked to tend to his garden, discuss movies and literature, and watch television with his neighbors. Um, that is, until May 21st, 1989... When an episode of America's Most Wanted oh boy. aired an episode on a man named John List, who was wanted for the murder of his whole family back in 1971. Oh. So this is like 18 years earlier. That night, a woman named Wanda Flannery in Denver recognized the face of, um, so they did an age-progressed um, forensic sculpture of his face. And she recognized it as Bob Clark, her former neighbor. Bob Clark. <clears throat> so, the List family. Um, so, let's back up um, all the way back to 1971. Jeez. <laughs> in 1971, John List was uh, living in New Jersey in Toysy. an 18-room mansion. Wow! 18 rooms? 18 rooms. How, why do you need that many rooms? Um, he did have three children. Still. Um, that's still about 15 more rooms than you need. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, he, uh, uh, he lived in an 18-room mansion. I swear to God, if this power goes out did again. Did I just, oh, yeah, but I was about to say, I'm like, <laughs> did I just blink really hard or did the light just flash? Sometimes that happens to me where it's it, just blinking. It flickered. Okay. Um, so he lived in this 18-room mansion with his wife, Helen. His three teenage children, Patricia, John Jr., named after himself. Patricia, oh boy. And Frederick, his youngest, who was 13. Um, and his mother, Alma, who was living in an attic apartment um, in the mansion because she was ill and arthritic. So so she got the topmost room? Yeah, well, she wasn't living on her own, was the point. It was still separate from the family so they yeah. could feel... There's 18 rooms, though. Like, I feel like even if do. you were in the main building, like, main floor... You could probably put her on the opposite end of the mansion and everything would be fine. If they really wanted to keep her separate, I mean... Anyway, that's not the point. It, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> um, when they purchased the house, List was the vice president and comptroller of a local bank. So he was making big money, which is why he could afford this place. Mm. But by 1971, he was unemployed and struggling to hold down 
any new jobs. Um, so he tried to get more and he would just like lose them immediately. So instead of telling his wife and family that he was having financial problems, yeah. he instead would head to the train station every morning where he would read and nap until it was time to head home from work. And I did air quotes around work. Wow. <laughs> that's really putting in the work to keep up the lie. Yeah. And um, it had been going on so long that he was facing foreclosure. So he he was about to lose this 18-room house. Um, and his family didn't even know. So they're going about their spending and their lives and everything as if he was still making big bucks. Yeah. So that's, that's a major part. Um, he didn't, he, he didn't let them in to work on the problem. Um, according to his neighbors, List was also very controlling and tried to limit the family's contact with friends and acquaintances. Um, there's a story that he, um, in October of 1971, he did finally reluctantly throw a Halloween party, which was very unusual, um, for John List. He did not do parties. He, he didn't really have, like, friends and, you know, he didn't really go out anywhere. Um, he would just, like, work home kind of life. Um... Most of the guests, according to the neighbors, were in costume as devils and angels, but List was dressed in a business suit (laughs) and spent the party standing off to the side, kind of with this dour-looking expression on his face, very clearly unhappy that this party, this gaiety is happening. Gaiety was used in the article I read this in, by the way. I'm like, that sounds like a very, like, like, flowerful, flowerful. Very <laughs> decorative language. I just plagiarized it. No. Um, but yeah, like, according um, to the neighbors, like, um, the rest of the family was all caught up in the joy, but he was just, like, scowling. He was a big old Scrooge in the corner. Yeah. Um, List was also becoming increasingly disappointed in his family. His daughter, Pat, or Patricia. Yes. He, um, but he calls her Pat. Everyone calls her Pat. Uh, was getting into acting, and he feared for her Christianity. Um, like, he was like, if she continues on with acting, she may stray away from Christianity, because actors are clearly never Christians. Ever. They just, they, you can't be a person of faith and be an actor. Um, Helen, his wife, also stopped attending church. Um, the... People Magazine article that yeah. I read on this also said that Pat was getting into marijuana and Helen was drinking, but I couldn't find anything oh. else to confirm it. Um, like, it's literally never mentioned anywhere else. Yeah. But the acting and her not going to church, that's all mentioned. Um, he, List and his mother were very strict Lutherans. And don't forget, the mother still lives in the house. So yes. he, that strict... Lutheran influence is still around him. Um, And they attended church every single week. So the idea of Helen asking to be taken off the church rolls upset List, and he feared it would discourage the children from attending church as well. Well, I mean, mom doesn't have to go. Yeah, well, like, I remember going to church when I was younger, and, like, my dad wouldn't want to go, and my mom would try to make us go to church, and we'd be like, but dad's not going. Yeah. And she'd be like, see? See? <laughs> yeah. Pro- point proven. Yes. Um, but that's not always the case. Like, I definitely know people who are a lot more religious than their parents are. Yes, there are people, but, like, at least your experience and 
my experience, like, they're not going where I want to go. Yeah. Um, but that's that whole, like, you didn't believe in it in the first place thing. Well, this is, this is a whole other topic, but this is not what our podcast is about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not to get too religious. I mean, neither of us have anything against religion. No. Personally. Like, if, if before. Uh, like, we're not, neither of us are very religious in general. No. I personally um, didn't grow up in a very religious house. My grandma is very religious, so that's the only time I went to church. But my parents never really, we didn't do, go to Grace, go to Grace seat. I don't even know the thing. Like, we didn't do grace. We didn't go to church. We didn't, like, pray. It was only things that happened in my grandmother's house. And that's, like, like a gas in a West Indian home. <laughs> a, a black West Indian home, specifically. Yeah. But, yeah. So, yeah. we're not saying that anything is wrong with religion. No. Specifically, or that be- it's, um, that, you know, like, religion is bad inherently. Um, it just plays a major role in this case. Um, so his solution to his disappointing family and financial woes, murder. Well, that's clearly the solution. It's, clearly. Um, the only way to handle anything is to just murder your way out of it. Because <laughs> that always works out properly. So Liz decided that his family, if they continued on this way, would stray off the path and he feared that they would never make it into heaven. And so he would have to kill them now before they strayed any further um, so that they still had a chance to make it into heaven. Dang. But he also couldn't kill himself because that is also one of those cardinal sins. Yes. Uh, where, you know, if you kill yourself, you're also not uh, allowed to enter heaven. So his solution was he would kill his family so they could get into heaven, and then he would later confess and live out his life and meet them in heaven later. That doesn't sound like it was really fair at all. A hundred percent not. No. Um, not fair in the slightest. He would find two guns that he already owned. One of them was some souvenir World War II pistol. Um, Because I don't think he was in the army. I didn't actually read that far into his history. (laughs) Um, That probably would have been better. But I was keeping it short, everybody. I did this for you. Crisp and concise. (laughs) We'll see about concise. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so he then bought ammunition and then went to target practice at a shoot, shooting range. So he was planning this. This was a thought on his mind. Yeah. This is what he was thinking about all those days at the train station where he's sitting around just waiting for the time to pass. Not saying that crimes of passion are any better, but when you're sitting there and plotting, not sitting, but when you're taking the time to plot your own family's murders, like... Yeah, this is, it's not, like, random strangers. It's not people who have wronged you or betrayed you. This is your family who are just trying to live their life and they're just living it differently than you want them to. Yeah. But I guess in a way that, that he saw that as them betraying him. FYI, everybody, that's not a betrayal. It's not. <laughs> let people live their lives. Unless they're trying to kill people. Then and don't let them do that. That's one of those times where, you know, you don't let them live their lives. Like... As long as they're not harming other people. Exactly. But that didn't matter to him. 
Um, he even asked the family how they would like their funerals. He would ask them like over dinner, like, do you want to be cremated? Do you want to be buried? Like, what would, how would you see now, yourself, see your funeral? You know, my mom and I have had this discussion. My mom says she wants to be cremated, which is totally fine with me. But like, does she think now that like I'm plotting her murder? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. But like, just the fact that you mentioned that, I'm like, can't talk that oh i actually um i have no idea how what my mom wants to do after her death but apparently she has a will so i'm assuming that's all she'll probably tell you in there my mom's just like throwing me into a river (laughs) my mom on tuesday um went off on vacation um for like the first time in a few years and so she like calls me before she goes on her flight to tell me that the will her will is in the house. <laughs> so if anything were to happen to her on her week-long <laughs> Dominican Republic vacation, yes. that I could find her will. And I was like... Mom. Like, um, <laughs> excuse me? No? Uh, but anyway. anyway <laughs> sorry. Um, but also, um, Pat also told a teacher, so this is the daughter, yeah. um, that... On over a drive home, the father, um, John List, actually told her he wanted to kill the whole family. Jesus. The teacher reported this to the police. Yeah. And they did absolutely nothing. Of course. Even when people try to do the right thing. So, yeah, like, this teacher was very concerned. He was, she, you know, she came, Pat came to him very upset, very concerned. She's 16 years old. She's not, like, a little kid who cries over, you know, everything. You know, she's terrified of her father. Yep. And, you know, which turns out to be very, very reasonably so. Yes. Um, and, you know, then, you know, like, so whatever. Um, well, well, you'll find out the rest. It, it just upsets me. Um, and yeah, and so the teacher actually says, so in, like, um, 1971, um, but, like, there was a New York Times... New York Times article um, on it, and in it he says, like, the police just looked at him like he was an idiot. Um, He actually said, like, an even more problematic term than idiot, but I'm, like, there was a word before that. You're just gonna... Uh, But I'm just gonna... It's not necessary. It's it's a word that is no longer in use by decent human beings, so let's keep it that way. Yeah. Stop bringing it back. Keep it dead. Anyways, so on November 9th, 1971. So this is only like a week or like a couple weeks after that Halloween party, by the way. Okay. Um, List sent his children off to school. Then he walked back into the kitchen and shot his wife in the back of the head. She's just sitting at the table drinking coffee. Mind your own business. Reading a book and he just shoots her in the back of the head. Um, Then he went upstairs to the attic, kissed his mother, and then shot her in the head as well. Then... He went downstairs, dragged his wife's body into the ballroom, and began cleaning up the blood. So, the children are still at school at this point. So, he's just, you know, in this big, empty house. Um, So, he went to the bank and the post office to stop the mail so there wouldn't be any mail delivery um, to the house. And he cashed his mother's savings bond check so he would have cash on him, like large sums of cash. Um, 
He then returned home and made phone calls to the children's school, um, to their part-time jobs, to the neighbors and the milk delivery, letting them all know that they're going on um, to North Carolina to visit his sick mother-in-law. Right. His children then came home one at a time. Um, So for some reason they came home one by one. Um, So I think it was first Pat came home. He's waiting in the kitchen. He shoots her. So this is why he cleaned up the wife's blood. Yeah. The children had no idea when they would come in. So they weren't alarmed when they came into the house. He shot Pat, cleaned up the blood, paper towel, dragged her body to the ballroom. Uh, The next kid came in, Frederick, the youngest, shoots him as he enters the kitchen, cleans up the blood, drags him into the ballroom. Um, Unfortunately... Uh, John Jr. was the last child, and he ended ended up emptying both guns into him. Jesus. Yeah. <clears throat> both guns? Both guns. Um, he, he shot him over nine times. Um, he was riddled with bullets, and, um, you know, like... It's sad. It's really sad. Um, so... Then, once again, lines, uh, drags the body to the ballroom, cleans up the blood. Um, he leaves Alma's body upstairs, and I'll get to that later. Um, he then began uh, to play organ music over the internal intercom system in the mansion. That's so throughout like... the entire mansion is just organ music that's really cryptic because like organs are usually associated a with churches but also associated with horror mm-hmm. in a sense so like it's that creepiness it's yeah. that sense of um judgment like judgment day Foreboding like and... that organ music would still be playing when the police would enter the home much much later he then sat down and wrote a confession to his pastor um which i actually have. And I'll read some excerpts because I won't read the whole thing. It looks pretty long. It is. It's big font though. Still. Um. So he's writing. So he's writing this letter to the pastor because he thinks the pastor, um, one will pray for his forgiveness. Yeah. And two, be the only one to understand why he did it. He did it. And um, he even um. He actually says, I know that what has been done is wrong. Also, catch that passive voice right there. What has been done. Not what I did. Yeah. Um, Like he had no choice in doing it. I know that what has been done is wrong from all that I have been taught and that any reasons that I might give will not make it right. Um, So then he goes on and starts detailing the reasons why. Even though he says that his reasons why don't excuse it, he still tells us. Um... So I already explained, you know, the financial situation, um, but there is also knowing the type of location that one would have to live in, plus the environment for the children, plus the effect of them knowing they were on welfare, was just more than I thought they could and should endure. I know they were willing to cut back, but this involved a lot more than that. So he knew his family w- was willing. Yep. To cut back to survive. They knew, like... 
he if knew it, that, he knew that if push came to shove, the family would live. They survive. They had to live on if they had to sell the home and get somewhere. But he was like, no, they shouldn't have to live in and uh, and it like, doesn't make any sense though. It's like, oh, live in potentially like like poor or like impoverished or die. Yeah, like like it's, why. Like, knowing the type of location that one would have to live in. Like, I mean, I'm in a neighborhood that is both very affluent and both very migrant. Um, like, a lot of immigrant families yeah. also live in this area. And so it's kind of split half low-income, half very wealthy people. It's not the worst. No. And, like... I've lived in worse locations, and, like, I lived in a place, in an apartment, where there was, like, a shooting outside of my house once, or, like, two two streets down from my building, like, literally just down the street, further down, um, like, in front of it, yeah. like... I mean, realistically, anything can happen anywhere, no matter where you are, so what I'm essentially trying to say is his reasoning... Is BS. I still prefer it to being dead. Is yeah. what I'm getting. Yeah. <laughs> um, he then continues on. Pat getting into acting. Helen not going to church. Um, there's this one part I didn't actually, I wasn't going to read it, but I'm going to mention it. Um, he also says, so when he's talking about his wife not going to church, um, he says that he hopes that she, he hoped that she would eventually come. But when I mentioned to her that Mr. Yutze or Jutze, I don't know. I don't know what, what language origin that, that name is from. Yeah. from. Uh, wanted to pay her an elder's call. She just blew up and said she wanted her name taken off the church rolls. Again, this could only have an adverse result for the children's continued attendance. <sighs> uh, he goes on. If any one of these had been the condition, we might have pulled through, but this was just too much. At least I'm certain that all have gone to heaven now. If things had gone on, who knows if this would be the case. So, well, them entering now. heaven was more important than them being alive. His kids have, like, grown up to lead amazing lives, still. Okay, so... This part I find really interesting. Um, so he then goes on talking about... Um, he he also ended up shooting his mom because she would be shocked and wouldn't be able to live with it. So he just killed her so she wouldn't have to. Um, he prayed for them, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Now for the final arrangements. Helen and the children have all agreed that they would prefer to be cremated. Remember <laughs> back when he asked um, about that? Then he goes, please see to it that the costs are kept low. First of all, they did not know that they were actually going to be murdered a few weeks later. Yeah. And um, what is even worse is that later, this whole section, so you can't see it, but I'm yeah. showing Jasmine, it's like an entire paragraph is, he describes how he, um, the arrangements for his mother. And he, you know, there's someone who has all the arrangements, who to contact, all of this stuff. His family got... They would prefer to be cremated, keep the costs low. None of that. There's no... For for someone who claimed to, like, care so much about his family, uh, they had to get into heaven, so he had to kill them. 
he clearly didn't care that much that he couldn't give them, like, he owed them at least a proper burial. And he even left them, like, left notes for his mother's family members, like her sister, um, you know, all of that. And, um, like, even the books is, like, he, he goes, uh, well, I don't know what will happen to the books, but I want them to be distributed. Um, they can go to school or the library. They got more consideration, more thoughtfulness. Than his three kids and his wife. Than his entire family minus his mother. Uh, then he goes on to say, because he's so clever. Of course. Originally, I had planned this for November 1st, All Saints Day, oh. but travel arrangements were delayed. You know how it is, your travel arrangements. <laughs> I thought it would be an appropriate day for them to get to heaven. This is the thoughts going through his head, like, oh, if I kill them on All Saints Day, it'll be appropriate. Like, how thoughtful of me. If he could have asked them, they'd probably strongly disagree. Yeah, I mean, like, maybe All Saints Day, like, 40, 50 years from now. Yeah, like, maybe when I'm very old and gray. Um, as for me, let me be dropped from the congregation rolls. I leave myself in the hand of God's justice and mercy. I'm pretty sure, I'm, as I said, neither of us are very religious, but I'm pretty sure murder of any kind in, like, the Bible and stuff is, like, not okay. Yeah, but there's that whole confession loophole. Where I you don't can know if it applies to murder, sick. though. I'm, like, pretty sure it doesn't, but... Yeah, it covers mm. a lot of things. I don't think it's murder. <laughs> yeah, he goes on about religion for a while. Uh, he then says that he thought, you know, he, he thought about it very carefully before doing sure. it, so that clearly makes it... Sure. Okay. He also explains how he shoots them. He shot them all from behind so they wouldn't see it coming. It doesn't make it any better. They're still um, dead. He also says that John, so, um, he also said that John got hurt more because he seemed to struggle longer, um, but he didn't consciously feel anything either. I don't know. What? And then he ends the letter. This is how he ends it. Please remember me in your prayers. I will need them whether or not the government does its doozy, does its duty as it sees it. I'm only concerned with making my peace with God. And of this, I am assured because of Christ dying even for me. P.S. There's Sorry, more. I'll go on. There's more. P.S. Mother is in the hallway in the attic, third floor. She was too heavy to move. First thing. Christ didn't die so people could murder. Yeah. Like, that's not what... When they were talking about your sins, it was stuff like... I don't know, what like... Were, what were sins back then? Like, gluttony. Talking to your neighbor's wife, or, like, <clears throat> sleeping with your neighbor's goat, or something. They weren't talking about killing your entire family. Mm -hmm. And if they were, that was the, like, corrupt church officials yeah. who just wanted to justify their own violence. Like, it wasn't actually... Like, religion mm. never actually says, like, Jesus died so you can just murder whoever you want. And, like, the whole thing with Christianity yeah. is that just because Jesus died for your sins 
doesn't mean that you live sinfully after. The whole point is that you live graciously because he died. It's like, he died for us, so I'm going to try to live a better life. And if he died for your sin to murder, why wouldn't he die for your wife's right to not go to church and your daughter to get into acting? So him using... this This is an example of people using religion in the wrong way. Yeah, like, when there's double standards, when there's, you know, like, I can do this because of my religion, but you can't do this for your religion. Exactly. That type of thing. That is when you know it's not actually coming from religion. It's coming from power. And a very corrupt person. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So that was his, the confession letter he wrote to the pastor. So after he wrote that, he, oh, I forgot to mention, this is, like, the creepiest part. When he was waiting for his children than the organ. <laughs> to to come back from school and he had cleaned all yeah. the blood and whatever, he then sat down and made himself a sandwich and ate lunch while he was while his wife's body where he shot her, by the way, he shot her at the kitchen table. He sat down at that table just a few hours later and ate lunch. He doesn't even seem distraught. He's like, "Oh, I killed my wife. Now I'll just have a, I'll just have a snack now." He was now. very calm, very calculating, very cold. Like a like a psychiatrist who who looked at the case was like, "This was a very calculating, cold yeah. person. This was someone who did not feel remorse for what they were doing." Clearly, he didn't see what he was doing as bad. Um. So. Back to after writing the confession. Yeah. He then went through the house and tore himself out of every family photo in the house so that the police wouldn't have a photo to circulate for the wanted posters. Ugh, very he calculated. was thinking. Very he meticulous. Was planning. This is very thoughtful. Don't forget, he also stopped the mail. He stopped the yeah. milk delivery. He was planning this. He then drove his car to JFK Airport in New York. He was in New Jersey. Um, where he left it to try and trick the police into thinking he went to Europe, but then there was no, like, tickets or whatever bought. So they were like, clearly he didn't, didn't. <laughs> travel from the airport. Yeah. Um, but then he, like, went and took a, a bus out of there, basically. Um, the bodies wouldn't be found for a month. Oh, my God. Because it's a long ass time. He was so meticulous and telling the neighbors that they were going to be gone. That no and one. So, um, people began to start calling the police when, um, after several weeks had passed. Um, so one neighbor called because they saw cars in front of the the house, like unknown cars, um, and it was actually one of the students' teachers. Yeah. Um, like, a couple teachers from their school had come to check out oh, wow. the house because they were concerned. Like, they were gone for weeks. It wasn't just, like, a short trip. Because usually when you take your kids on vacation, you take them from school for, like, a week. Yeah, like, like if, it's, if it's not during, like, a regular school break, yeah. it's only, like, a week. A couple days outside of the weekend, maybe. Yeah. You know, not a super long time. So they were gone for weeks. Um, and so the police got called for that um but you know they didn't really check anything out because it was like you know there was nothing to say you know they told everyone they would be gone or he told everyone they would be gone they had no say in anything whatsoever they didn't they had no idea this was going to happen well except for i guess pat yeah she had a she um but you know what 
as a kid, like, my dad has made some, like, pre- like has said some pretty iffy things. I never believed he would follow through on them. Yeah. So it's kind of, it, like, really messes me up because, like, um, like, this is, you don't think that despite how awful your dad might be. Yeah. Caveats for very awful fathers. Yes. Um, this is not true for everybody and, and, you know, for all relationships with people's fathers. Um, but for most people, you don't really believe, no matter what your dad says, that he is actually going to harm you enough, like, like purposely. Yes. Like, enough to either kill you or, or injure you severe, severely. Like, you you don't want to believe that he really yeah. wants to do it. People say things all the time, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to kill you, or I'm going <clears> to, <throat> like, and we don't think about it, but in this case... It ended up being true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the, the police did finally go to check out the house when the neighbors were, were calling again, because the lights in the house, so they he left on lights within the mansion, yeah. were flickering out. So the bulbs Power. were just going yeah. out. Um, so no one's attending to this house. Nobody, you know, like, who even would leave the lights on, whatever. Um, so then they started to see that and be like, hmm. So then they call the police. Um, and the police come and check out the house and they find the bodies. And what is the creepiest is that that organ music was playing. A month later blaring through the whole house. So he, like, recorded organ music? It was, it was just, like, a player that he had, like, one of those, like, gram not gramophones, but, like, the newer one, yeah. the record players. Yeah. And it was set up to just play on repeat, I guess, um, the entire time. And so, he also cleaned up the house, right? So, when the police are going through, they don't notice anything at first. They don't know anything's wrong. They just hear organ music. As they're going through this house that has, like, lights flickering off. Freaking horror movie. Um, yeah, like, it's creepy the way that they describe it. Like, mm-hmm. it seemed like a horror story. Just in real life. And then when they finally end up in the ballroom, there's just a line of dead bodies. And then there's, like, a note on his desk About... um, with, with the confession. And um, it, it also, like, t- there's a note telling them they can find what they're looking for in the desk, which is where the guns are. Yeah. So, um, like, imagine walking through a house, everything seems normal, everything seems in its place, and then you end up in this, I'm assuming the ballroom is this massive room. Like, they had 18 rooms, this ballroom's gonna be massive. You get to this huge room, and there's just a line of bodies, they're probably still bloody, um, rotting at this point, because it's been weeks. It's a horror movie opening, for sure. It's... It's tragic. Anyways. Um, John List wouldn't be arrested for 18 years. Um, but thanks to the age progression um, sculpture created um, by one of those, like, profiling experts. Yeah. He actually, um, so they talk about it in the Forensic Files episode. Um, they, they talked to him, he explains the process and he actually worked with a psychologist to create a psychological profile to kind of see what a person, like what he might, how he might move through his life later. So yeah. 
Um, it was stuff like we we put him having like this kind of turned down corners of his mouth. So you know how like most people's mouths are kind of like straight. But as you get older, you kind of get these, like, perma-smile, Things start to sink and sag a bit. And so they were like, um, you know, he's going to have this this line because of the anxiety, because of his crime. Yeah. Not because of remorse, but because he would be constantly afraid of getting caught. Yeah. Turns out, super true. Um, They actually had a... um, So a journalist named Connie Chung actually sat down with him in the early 2000s and actually had an interview with him and Mm -hmm. he talked about um the whole crimes and all of that and and you know he was like explaining like I felt like I had to do this blah 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 um and he actually talks about how on so the day they they aired that America's Most Wanted episode he was watching it he Flipped it on with yeah. his family, like, sitting beside his wife. Yeah. On his couch. For the end of it, where they're showing that sculpture that looks apparently so much like him. Yeah. And his wife's sitting there, and he's, like, sweating bullets. He's just like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And she doesn't recognize him. And she actually, later, when, like, they arrest him and all of that, she's like, he, you have to have the wrong guy, he's clearly not this. Yeah. And the truth is, there, there's such a dramatic difference between this marriage and the previous one. Because the the second wife, he actually lost his job at one point and was living on $500 a week, um, income at a lower-paying job. Yeah. And he had to, like, they were slipping into poverty, but then he didn't kill her. So, it just goes to show. Um, but he, like, she was also Lutheran, so I guess that was the big deal breaker. Probably the religion thing was bigger than... Like, oh, she'll get into heaven, it's fine. At least there's that. Um, yeah, she thought his wife, his first wife died of cancer and he had no kids. Ha! Um, ha! That was his explanation for, you know, no family. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that. That's, that's my thing. What a what a crummy dude. Very. Like, real rotten. So, <laughs> my case isn't super positive, but it's definitely on the lighter side. Um, so, this case, to say the least, is, as I mentioned, very bittersweet. Um, I'm not entirely sure how po- how popular this case or how well, known it, it, how well known it is, but it definitely fits this week's theme of, like, Father's and Father's Day. And it was not the father who committed the crime in this one. Hooray! Hooray! So, a brief... Not all dads (laughs) kill their children. No. Or attempt to. No. Hooray, turns out. So, um, a brief summary of what happened is on December 10th, 2003, Thomas Bartlett Whitaker, a.k.a. Bart, uh, murdered his brother, Kevin Whitaker, who was uh, 19, his mother, Patricia, another Patricia, um, who was 51, and also attempted to murder his his father, uh, Kent Whitaker... But Kent uh, survived. Who was the first person? Kevin Whitaker. And that was his brother. Okay. His younger brother. I missed that part. Well, there we go. I just I wanted to make sure I have everybody. So when you go on, I'm not like, yes. what's going on? Kevin, Patricia, Kent, and Bart is the one who is did doing, the deed. Who yeah. did the deed? So um, here's a little bit of history on Thomas Bartlett Whitaker. He was born December 31st, 1979. 
He attended Clements High School, but had to leave due to the burglaries he was committing with his, uh, with a few friends in school. Um, he was also evaluated by a psychologist at that time. And the psychologist had stated that he was, showed signs of experiencing, uh, the clinical symptoms of delusional paranoid disorder. Okay. Just after those few incidents he had in high school. But after that point, nothing really seemed to transpire. And this is from the burglaries? Yes. After he committed some burglaries in high school. Okay. Yeah. So he left high school, obviously, because he was in a lot of deep shit. Um, He came from a very well-off family. He was spoiled, to say the least. Um, (laughs) Yeah. He was very well taken care of, not only financially, but according to people who knew him quite well emotionally, had a good relationship with his family. Um, His parents bought him several luxury vehicles, paid his tuition at Baylor and Sam Houston State University. Uh, They got him a lakeside townhouse, a $4,000 Rolex, for those who don't know, that's a watch, (laughs) had an $80,000 trust fund from his parents as well, or grandparents, sorry. Um, But this is where things are kind of off. He was not actually enrolled enrolled in either of the schools he said he, that he was going to. He was lying to his parents. So he was just taking the tuition money? I don't know. I have, I have no idea. Like, how do you do that? How do you pay for school? Because, like, tuition like tuition up here is expensive, but in the States, it's even more expensive. It's, to it's go- like, ten times as much. Yeah, money. it's truly really expensive. So say you're spending, I don't know, ten grand, fifteen grand a semester on your kids to go to this, I'm assuming, a very nice school. That's actually more towards Canadian. Is it? Yeah. 20 grand? I don't know. Anything more than 8 grand oh, is wait. expensive to me. Yeah, like, f- yeah, per like year. 20 grand is like what it is in the States, I think, because it's, it's closer to 10 here. Yeah, so they're putting a lot of money into their child's education and they're assuming it's going to the right place, mm-hmm. but it's not. So uh, he must have been taking the money because like, like they would notice if thousand like fifteen thousand yeah. dollars wasn't. I was thinking that like he had technically enrolled in school and they were paying for it. He just wasn't attending it. Okay, that's what I'm thinking. But they I don't mean, really my go into detail about did that. that. <laughs> After he was convicted, this is just a little bit of more history on his relationship with his parents, specifically his dad. Um, Bart said this about his relationship with his parents. The fifteen second soundbite answer is: I wanted revenge for being alive. And I blame them for that. For for that. For that. He told the 2020 and 2009, I blame them for who I was instead of blaming me. Um, he also said, in order for me to be that person that my parents would love or that they, that they did claim to love, I had to be better than I was. There was an idealized version of me and then there was me. So every time I failed at reaching a goal of mine, I felt like a failure. So even if his parents didn't necessarily put some sort of pressure on him, he had managed to put it on himself. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I, and, like, I don't know. Like, there are some parents. Like, I'm not going to say my brother is, like, a murderer who would kill his whole family. Yeah. Um, But, like, there are very, like, similarities between, like, whereas my mother, you know, tried to support him and, yeah. and whatever and help him whatever he wanted because she would just kind of give him whatever he wanted instead of working for it. He, he didn't really see it as an act of love. Yeah. Um, 
so much as just, you know, someone trying to buy his affection or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so the night of the murders, he had plotted with uh, a few people, two of his friends that he was close to. He said, and I quote, sort of like a game of chicken between me and the other guys. Uh, just in this case, none of them backed out. Okay. Okay, so this whole plan. This whole plan, they're like... He thought that they would back out. Yeah. And they never did. No. So she kept, kept on pushing the idea and plotting and no one was backing down. They just kept plotting further and... I'm just... I'm trying to think of us back in high school. And, like, I feel like if I came to you and was like, hey, I want to murder my whole family... Yeah. You in? You'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm black. I can't go to jail right now. <laughs> Don't do this to me. That's what I would have said in high school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can't do this. My parents did not come to this country for this to happen to me. My immigrant parents won't stand for this. Uh, I don't want to be Southern there for a second. I'm not even, I'm not even Southern. I'm West Indian. My God. Um, my word. These Southern tears. Um, <laughs> by the way, Texas, this place is place in the South. Anyway, um, that might That's be That's why. It. There we go. That's where my Southern drawl came from. So, um, as I said, Bart had been lying to his family about being in school. And the night it happened, he was like, I'm graduating soon. You know, exams are over. We should go out for dinner. So they went out for a celebratory graduation dinner. This uh, sounds... Familiar? familiar the graduation dinner i remember okay keep going yes um so <laughs> so while at dinner at the um papa Do restaurant which was near where they um lived um brashier who was one of bart's friends he entered the whitaker home in an all-black getup and um a ski mask i definitely remember this no keep going yes. it's so good it's bad, but it's good. You know what I mean. <laughs> he had taken Bart's brother's, um, so Kent, I taken his gun and waited in the house while they were all at dinner. His other friend, Stephen Champagne, waited in the car outside the restaurant and eventually tailed them to the Whitaker's home once they were done dinner. Mm. And once they reached the home... He was, like, the warning guy, right? He was, like, calling to let the other guy know that they were coming? Essentially. And so when they reached the home... Um, Bart was like, oh, I left my phone in the car, you know, you guys go ahead, which, like, it's, I can't believe that, (sighs) anyway. like, you wouldn't think anything of it. Like, how many times have I, like, gotten out of a car and been like, oh, forgot my phone! phone. It's just, like, it's just, like, this little thing that, like, (sighs) anyway, so Kevin, his younger brother, was the first one through the door. He was shot first, um, followed by his mother, Patricia. Um, both were shot in the chest. Uh, Kevin died almost immediately. Um, and his mother died on the way to the hospital. She was airlifted, but she didn't make it. That's awful. Yeah. Um, Kent, the father, he was shot in the humerus and the shoulder. And then after that happened, Bart had ran into the house and pretended to struggle with Brashear and then had himself shot in the arm to avoid suspicion. Of course. Yes. And so Brashear left through the back door, hopped the fence, and Steven, the other guy who was waiting in the car, was there to pick him up, and they left the property. Okay. While Bart waited for the police, telling the cops that the shooter was black, once again, to divert suspicion. Of course. Yes. This this happens a lot, by the way, 
um, in my experience, my experience, um, my, my vast experience (laughs) of watching true crime documentaries on TV is that when people commit crimes, they go, uh, no, a black guy did it. I swear. And the police go, sounds about right. Yeah. And then they go off and they're like, hmm, this doesn't make any sense. So. Yeah. So, but it, it worked for some time. Um, Kent Whitaker, the father, to reiterate, um, he was hospitalized. Oh, he um, would have been unconscious, I guess. Yeah, he was shot pretty shattered. Oh, wait, no, because even if he survived, he wouldn't know. No, because the guy was wearing a ski mask, he was in all black. And it it wasn't Bart. That yeah. was the major thing. That was, was the that major Bart thing. wasn't. Yeah. Yo, okay. So, how I said, if I came up to you and was like, want to murder my family? Yeah. Imagine going up and being like, hey, do you want to do the one who actually murdering and yeah. I'll just, like, get shot in the fucking arm? So no, no one thinks it's me, but they might think it's you? Like, why do you do that? You want to, like, you would have been like, we're not friends anymore. Well, a- according, <laughs> a- according to some sources, I don't know how true this is, but, um, uh, Brashear, I believe, said that, oh, no, it wasn't Brashear, it was Steven. He said that, um, Bart offered some money. Okay. Maybe. I don't know how true that is. Which would oh. be more of an incentive to be okay One, with. One, he's got that trust fund. Two, I imagine the death of his parents would bring in a hefty Well, only his dad had a, uh, a uh, what do Insurance they call it? Insurance policy? Yeah, it was only five grand. These rich ass people only had a five grand life insurance policy? And just the father. Because, I mean, I guess they assumed their kids would be fine. They don't need all that money, you know? Um, so, Kent was in the hospital um, with a bullet but there would wound. there still be an inheritance, though. Yeah. Like, because they would still have that Well, wealth. I'll get to, I'll let you know. Okay, okay, I'll get to it later. Um, Kent had a bullet wound just six inches from his heart. Oh, jeez. So, that's basically how he managed to survive. And after he left, left the hospital, Bart stayed with him for at least seven months. So, he was living in the same house with the man who plotted to murder him and his family. At least he didn't know it. No, he didn't know. Um... So actually, I don't know if that makes it better or worse. <laughs> you're just hanging out with someone. You're like, oh, we went through this trauma together. Yeah. Like, I'm so glad we're still here and like we made it through this together. And Bart's just like, you fucking, like, you weren't supposed to make it. Like, damn. Um. So in 2004, Bart ran for Mexico. He, of course. Yeah, he just left. But in 2005, he was arrested and brought back to Texas. Um. During the trial, Bart claimed it was drug abuse and mental illness that caused him to want his family dead. He said he was not influenced by money, like people suspected. I disagree. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, I don't know. I, I just know a lot of mentally ill people and, like... Like, also people who experience psychosis, so not, like, just, like, depression and anxiety, like, intense mental illness, and mentally ill people, especially, like, people who experience psychosis and stuff like that, they're more likely to be victims of violence than to perpetuate it. So, people on this guy for trying to be all like, my mental illness did it. Yeah, that's just, that's just like, it's not the money, guys. It was just my mental illness. So both Stephen and Brashear um, avoided lethal punishment. Or, to me, yeah. it sounds like he knew he was caught in a lie. Probably. How, how, and he where, was like, what sounds better? They're going to want to go to convocation. Yeah. 
And when his name doesn't get called and he doesn't get a diploma when he walks across the stage because his name isn't getting called, so he's, he's not, not even... <laughs> so, like, I, like, to me, that's what it sounds like. Like, they probably would have cut him off if they found out. Yeah. And, yeah, I say money. I say money and, you know, wanting to do whatever the hell you want, whenever the hell you want, with no consequences. Yeah. So maybe you're just tired of being handed things. You just wanted to have the money do whatever you want. Um, yeah, you didn't want to have to ask for it. You just wanted to be able to do it. No questions asked. Maybe. Anyway, uh, both Stephen and Bashir were avoided lethal punishment, even though Bashir pulled the trigger. Um, Chris Bashir received a life sentence and a plea bargain. He worked at out with um, the prosecutors. And Stephen Champagne agreed to testify and got only a 15-year sentence. Jeez. And he yeah. was just the getaway driver. Yeah. But that's still a long time. Anyway, Bart was put on death row by lethal injection. So that's what they had sentenced him to once he was convicted of the crime for, obviously, um, plotting, like, second... Is it second-degree murder? First. First-degree murder. Um, yeah, because premeditated is Yes. Second-degree is when usually it's accident. Kind of. Anyway, that's that not important. That one is, like, crime of passion. Like, you weren't going to kill the person, but then you did. It just happened. You got really mad, and you punched him in the nose so hard, killed him. Anyway, the reason why I brought, I brought up this story is because of the father, Kent. Um, if you were to ask Kent about his relationship with his son, he'd say, you have a lot of opportunity to talk. And we did. They used to go on long-distance bike rides together and talk all the time. They had a very good relationship. Um, he said, we had a good relationship. Also, Trisha and I both were active parents. We didn't ignore things. And so when this happened, he was very confused. Yeah. Um, because when it happened, he was like, who did this? Who who took my family away from me? Yeah. Who tried to kill my son? Um, and so even though Kent was a God-fearing man... He was filled with a lot of vengeance and anger towards the anonymous, I'm doing air quotes, anonymous shooter who took his family. Um, he said, all I could feel for this person was incredibly deep and powerful hatred. So this was before... Before he found out. Or actually just before, just after, when he was still in the hospital. Okay. This is what he said, when he was recovering. Um, he told this to the Washington Post, just thinking about how I could inflict pain on him. So he was in a very dark, dark place, obviously. Um... But after some time and digging deep into his faith, he decided he would no longer harbor hatred towards the shooter, no matter who it was. He didn't know it was Bart, though, so that definitely put him in a very, not awkward, but unexpected situation. Even without, you know, this realization, this epiphany he came to, that's still going to be really difficult. Yeah. Because he's like, somebody tried, he thought somebody tried to kill both of his sons. Yeah. But somebody still did kill... His son and his wife. Yeah. And it was his other son. son. Like, how... Because not only are you losing one son, you're losing both. Because yeah. now he's going to go to jail. He may get lethal injection. I'll let you finish. Yeah. So, at first, when Kent found out it was his son who had orchestrated the deaths of their family, um, he was in disbelief. Obviously, he's like, I, I don't understand, like... I, I don't know what's going on. Like, how could my son be responsible? It was hard for him to come to grips with. But he did come to terms with it. Um, and his son was put on death row, and he was supposed to be executed on February 22nd, 2018. Ooh. Yeah. 
But. But um, Kent felt the punishment was unjust. He did, not, he did not believe victims should not have a say in the conviction of, um, uh, I don't want to say criminals. What's, it, what's the word? Perpetrators. For? There we go. Perpetrators. He said, I feel the whole decision to pursue the death penalty was an overstep. This isn't just a case of a dad who is ignoring the truth about his son. Believe me, I am aware of what choices have, uh, what, aware of what his choices have cost me. Jeez. So, yeah. Um, he also had this to say about victims' rights. And this follows the, um, I don't know if y'all remember, but um, I believe it was during the Olympics, the, uh, the, the man who was um, assaulting and abusing. Uh, His girlfriend or something. No, right? other gymnasts. Oh. Did you not hear about that? Are you talking about the coach who was I think abusing the, um, the, okay. Yeah. The, the team, yeah. Yes, Okay, yes, I exactly. did hear about that. Yeah. So he said, um, Texas claims to be a victim's rights state. The It's something we're proud of. I'm asking for the board to recognize victim's rights means something even when the victim is asking for mercy, not just when they are asking for vengeance. Okay. And he talked about how victims should be more involved in these cases and they should have more of a say in, in how these... Because, like, when someone commits a crime against someone else, they're not, commit, they're not committing a crime against the, the court of law. It's, it's very personal. It's person mm-hmm. to person. And so he was very vocal about people being able to have a say in what the outcome is. Well, also, like, I know for a lot of people, they don't believe in lethal injection or in yeah. the death penalty because they think it's actually an easier way out for these criminals. Yeah. They don't have to actually live with the consequences mm-hmm. of their actions. Exactly. They're just immediately taken out. And so even for people, if they don't necessarily want mercy... Like, they, they still want this person to suffer, but yes. they want them to suffer consciously, knowingly, like... like He wanted liter- a life sentence for him, not lethal injection. They also, you know, they want these people to see what was wrong. Yes. Um, Kent and other distant relatives fought to try and have Bart's sentence changed to a life sentence. Um, throughout the years, he was a pretty model citizen... Pretty model. He was a model prisoner... Um, even teaming with other inmates to try and change the 23-hour-per-day solitary confinement on death row inmates and how it mentally affects them, or just people in general who are in solitary confinement. Because whether you've committed a super serious crime or not, solitary confinement is... I think it was deemed unconstitutional. Yeah. Like, long-term solitary confinement. Like, for a few hours, yes. For For most of the day, every day. That's a lot of hours. Yeah, like one, because that's like one hour a week to get the the rec room, right? Or whatever, or the whatever. recreation time. Yeah. So, and when you're in solitary, it's a small room. Yes. It's Very not, small. I mean, like all of prison, you're in a small yes. room. But usually you're bunking with somebody or you can hear other people. When you're in solitary, you're, com- you're cut off from like, prison already has limited resources. And you're cut off from even that. Yeah. And, like, people are... Like, humans are social animals. And, like... No matter how much of a loner you consider yourself to be, to be stuck in a cell with nothing. I mean, like, even the people I know who are very hermity, like myself included, I don't really see people. I still live with someone. Yes, you do. To talk to every day. And I have my cat. 
Yeah. When I when I was living alone those like few months, I was like talking to my cat every day. Like I still needed that socialness and that yeah. was me still going to work forty hours a week. So exactly. I'm still sitting with people forty hours a week and I still needed that that social contact. Yes. Exactly. So solitary confinement is never really any good for anyone's well being. Mm-hmm. Um Despite Bart's crimes, uh, Kent constantly tried to figure out where he and his wife went wrong. What they missed, he blamed himself for not catching it. He said, I think he believed who we were loving was a person who didn't exist. He was hiding behind a mask so we wouldn't find out. Yeah. And he was pretty torn up inside. Just like, where did we go wrong? So did we not was love he him? successful with the death penalty? They were. So they got overturned? Yes. Okay. Is he life in prison? Yes. Forever? Yes. No parole? No. Okay. So See, I, mean, I can get behind... Like, okay, I am one of those, like, prison abolitionists. No. But then, like, <laughs> I'll be like, life with no parole for a murderer? Okay. Yeah. So, um, another reason why I chose this case is I wanted to get, like, an open discussion about things like death row. Obviously, this, this um, episode is about fathers and family murders, um, forgiveness, and victims' rights. Yeah. I wanted to talk about those things, and I thought this was a good way to bring it up. So for me, personally, a lot of the times, I feel like I don't support a death sentence. Yeah. I don't think I ever support a death sentence, mostly because I I believe in rehabilitative yeah um justice rehabilitative justice yeah um giving people the chance to actually like may learn from their mistakes become better and and continue and become a productive member of society because sometimes this does happen for people who who commit crimes because of circumstances because of um you know their history with, you know, their parents, their school, yeah. you know, whatever was being taught to them through, you know, major institutions, um, you know, stuff like that. And and when they actually get into an environment where somebody, like, where they can be like, hey, like, this affects people in, in, in such and such way, you know, like, I'm not going to do that. And, like, it can happen for a lot of people. Yeah. But the way that prison is right now, um, like... With the death sentence, that's completely out. Yeah. It's it's supposed to be, like, a deterrent for other criminals, but I don't think it really deals with the issue at hand. It doesn't actually prevent anyone, because if they have that thought process in mind, like... I'm going to die anyway, like, so... Like, if they are willing to kill someone... Yeah. Like, if they're like, I'm going to take away this person's life forever... Yeah. They're not really thinking about consequences at that point. No. They're not going to be like, oh, uh, uh, you know, there's still, you know, how many uncaught murders out there? Like, there's still the chance they'll get free anyways. Yeah. You know, like, right now we shouldn't be focusing more on just teaching people the values and, you know, the reasons why you shouldn't do it in the first place. Yeah. Like, I don't believe that everyone should be able to leave prison. Like... For me, the, like, if you've committed a very, very serious crime, like, I don't know, say you you like eating babies or something, I don't know, and that 
desire never goes away and you don't want to change. I'm not saying there's someone, I mean, there might be, but like. I mean, there are people who don't want to change. Yeah. I, if you I'm pretty don't, sure I've come across at yeah, least one case. Yeah, if you don't want to change, then trying to rehabilitate you and put you in society when you have no desire to become a better person and then maybe staying in prison is best for you. I mean, as a, like, I'm someone who says I'm a prison abolitionist, yeah. but I'm also, like, send rapists to jail. So yes. it's, it's a very complex and nuanced issue, and, like... Well, the thing is, the problem is, a lot of people who are in jail right now, presently, in 2018, are in sentences that are way too long for their crimes. Oh, yeah. Well, especially because of drug convictions. Yes. And drug convictions doesn't... Okay, so I don't know if you saw the post that I shared... Um, but I scared this, this, uh, screenshot of a Tumblr post and, um, it was like, why aren't we talking about Portugal? And it was talking about how in Portugal. Oh yes, I did read that. Yeah. It's, um, so in Portugal, according to this Tumblr post, like, I did not fact check this meme. Yeah. Sorry. Um, (laughs) but according to this meme, um, they're, uh, in Portugal, they don't have, criminal sentences for drug offenses um what they have is so for it's for people who are found with an excessive amount of that drug it was like something like more than a month's worth yes at a time um instead of being sent to jail they could be fined but they are sent to a psychologist to um to to deal with their addiction issues and they 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 deal with the root issues at hand. Which is, which if it is true, that's a much better way of handling a drug problem than just being like, oh, let's throw them in jail. Yeah, like, I mean, I think prison can be good for violent offenses, but the most people who are in prison right now are in prison for victimless crimes. Yeah. Is the big deal. Very minor victimless crimes. Like someone could have, for example, I don't know if I heard, I might have heard it from um, that one podcast where they talk, where they, some of the like the cast members are prisoners in the jail. I can't remember what it's Ear called. hustle. There we go. It might have been that or something else. I don't remember. But point is, some guy got like 30 years in prison for being like present in a non-violent, like, stick up yeah. that's all of his youth gone for just being there yeah and a lot of the times it's because they're marginalized i don't know about this guy specifically. he was i think he might have been his latino maybe i can't oh, remember yeah. point is so that's like a huge thing in the u.s yeah um like when you're marginalized people are less lenient with you they assume the worst and that you are or this is just a stepping stone to worse things and which is why you get these huge huge sentences for disproportionate crimes yes and i'd like to steer this conversation more a little bit, bit more towards the father because as you mentioned sometimes prison can help people and bart himself mm-hmm. just now got his master's working towards his phd and even though he did do something absolutely terrible He's, in a way, doing something to try and make his father proud. Mm -hmm. 
I it mean, doesn't make up for it, obviously. Those two things are not equal. But his father saved his life. His father still wants to be in his life, despite everything. You know? And yeah. he's doing something right by that. And I think, like, it says a lot because the, like, well, my theory about why he did it was because of this graduation thing. And, mm-hmm. like, I think a lot of it stems from the fact that he never thought he could. Yeah. He never thought he could actually get through school, that his abilities would actually, you know, he wouldn't be coasting off of money anymore. He would, you know, he actually had to work for it. And, you know, he's in prison. He didn't get the death sentence, which he would be dead by now. Yeah, he would. <laughs> um, just a few months ago. Uh, and, and you know, look at how much he was able to accomplish. Yeah. He was like, you know, I've been given this chance, so I'm going to do something oh, about it. And that reminds me. Um, have Okay, so you don't watch that much Netflix documentaries. Or documentaries that are on Netflix. No, not on Netflix, um, not that much. So, there's this one on Netflix called The Fear of 13. And it is a documentary about this guy. He's on death row. Mm-hmm. And he was put in jail for what he says was a crime he didn't commit. Um, so, he says that it, the that he... Um, that he was like a burglar and stuff like that. Like, he was like a criminal. Yeah. But he wasn't, like, a murderer. And so he's sleeping in his car one day. Apparently a woman gets murdered um, nearby. The cops start, like, looking around. They find him sleeping in the car. They arrest him, and they're, they count him as a suspect. Um, they This was back before they had a lot of DNA yeah. technology, so there wasn't um, any evidence to rule him out. Yeah necessarily because like he didn't have an alibi he was around yeah um the odds were against him um and he actually uh so he's telling the story from death row um about you know and then later they actually like find dna evidence that could um what's the word exculpate oh I think it's exculpate or something like that. (laughs) Uh, You know, not implicate, you know, that would... Blow the case wide open. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But then the, like, um, samples that they find um, break and are, like, the containers they're in break. And so the samples become contaminated. Oh, no. And it's this amazing documentary. It's all, um, there aren't really a lot of reenactments. It's mostly just him sitting in this, like, cell. Yeah. Telling his story, and he's very animated. He's a very good storyteller. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's, like, I, like, I, and he maintains to this day he didn't do it. And, um, I don't know, it kind of reminds me of that where, like, <clears throat> like, we don't even know if this guy did it, but he's on death row. Mm-hmm. And... He he might have, like, already been... It happens too often. I mean, at least once every couple of years, we see something in the news or on the internet or whatever where it's like, so-and-so was finally proven guilty after spending 30, 40 years in jail, and now they're finally free. Mm-hmm. It happens all the time, and that's another reason why I'm very much like, eh, about, like, the death, like, about the, um, the death penalty is because, especially in crimes that happened in the past... Oftentimes, not oftentimes, we didn't have the same sort of tools at our disposal 
to be able to determine whether someone is truly guilty or not. So too many people have been unjustly convicted of really terrible crimes they did not commit. An example of this is um, in The Staircase, they, so I already told you about this, but I'm going to say it again. Um, So on Netflix, there's a new documentary series on there called The Staircase. It is following a very old case from 2001. I guess it's not that old in comparison to some of the cases we've been doing. Yeah. But, you know, like, in terms of, like, how long this this trial and, like, the, these appeals and stuff have yeah. been going on. Since 2001, um, a man, um, Michael Peterson, not related to Jordan Peterson, the garbage man of, you know, Toronto. Um, maybe. <laughs> Who knows, though? Um, this man, Michael Peterson, um, he is was arrested for the murder of his wife but because of the way that the investigation was done there is no way to know for sure if it was even a murder yeah because they didn't investigate properly they didn't do dna testing on the body um for 20 years or not 20 years for almost 20 years like they they've literally never done dna testing it was only in 2014 2016 around there uh in that time frame um, that they even discovered that they didn't even, like, it didn't even get tested. Like, they didn't even look at it. Yeah. Um, and then all the evidence got contaminated by this expert um, consultant that they brought onto the, this blood spatter consultant, um, Dwayne Deaver. Dwayne. Yeah. Dwayne with a U. Oh, the that kind I of Dwayne. Hate, I hate that spelling of Dwayne. Dwayne. <laughs> I hate it. Sorry, Dwayne's out there with the U's in them. <laughs> Your name sucks. No, sorry. Um, <laughs> just because Dwayne Deaver's an asshole doesn't mean you are too. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like this guy, he was later found. So he, they actually, he, they, they found this out because of another trial. This man spent 17 years in prison for, because he defended himself against his wife who was trying to kill him with a goddamn viking spear um but shit's wild deaver testified that he killed her faked his wounds which was a spear in his thigh spear in his thigh oh my god like i don't even that he faked that and this was it was inches away from his femoral artery yeah oh my god so this is if you're not familiar what that is the femoral artery is a major blood vessel in your thigh. Um, if it gets nicked, nicked, not like cut or whatever. If it gets nicked, you can bleed out within minutes. Yeah. Like it's like not something you like fuck around with. Yeah. I've been swearing a lot this week. It's fine. It's totally um, cool. Mostly because we waited like five hours yeah it was a long wait it was a lot of things you were just... like i was like it'll come back the power it'll come back we you don't have to use my we'll laptop battery it'll, it'll be fine like yeah no oh. i think for me what i'd like for you guys to take away from today's episode is that this is both also unintentional we have two men of faith who decided to use their faith in different ways yeah like Oh, yeah. You yeah. said Kent was a God-fearing yeah. man. Like, 
And he used that to be like, I'm going to find it in my heart to forgive. I'm going to show yep. mercy. I don't... Like, he, his he had already, kid yeah. murdered his wife and son. Yeah. And he was like, I don't want him to die. This he, other man yeah. who had everything, who, you know, or who did have everything because he was about to lose it all, was like, nah, I'm out. Yeah. And, like, it just kind of pisses me off because then he goes off and he becomes an accountant... And, and just, he, like, lives his life. He lives his life. And then he goes off. He's like, yeah, like, I didn't let any of my other family before, like, talk to people. But now I, like, go to the movies. And I, like, to talk about literature with people. And me and my new wife go and do all of this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So it's just, it's completely different what these two men did. And see, this is, this is loop back to the whole religion thing. What we always say is that we don't have a problem with religion. It's what people do with religion. And clearly, List was just... Yeah. List was evil. Yeah. Um, like, there's no way about it. Like, he sat down and he thought this through. And yeah. then he lived with it for 18 years. Like, if he really truly believed that he... Like, he couldn't kill himself. That's why he could like, he wasn't going to kill himself and join his family yeah. in heaven. He just wanted it out. That doesn't, just because you're leaving it up to God does not mean that you don't face consequences. If he really, really believed that what he was doing was right through religion, yeah. he would have turned himself in. He would have. He exactly. wouldn't have gone through all of this trouble to create this perfect like um getaway you know where where no where he would have a month head start yeah if you know he really truly believed what he was doing was for the greater good and Which, he knew it was for selfish reasons exactly he knew it was just for him to make his life better just so he could get out and i have to commend kent whitaker for he said no matter who it was i'm going to forgive them to and that was before Just he knew before it was he knew. his son. He said, no matter who it is, I don't care who it is, I will forgive them. I'm not going to hold on to this. I, I don't know if I could do that, to be honest. But I, I must give him. I mean, him. just today, I was, like, <laughs> ranting for, yeah. like, half an hour about a friendship yeah. from, like, the, from a friend I haven't seen. Like, like I don't really talk to. Like, I've seen maybe, like, two or three times in, like, eight years. Like, yeah, so, like... Like, clearly, I'm not the type of person to be, like, forgive and forget. Like, we're very petty people. Like, if somebody, like, <laughs> murdered my wife, because I like to believe it would be my wife, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna... If I'm getting married, it's to a lady. And your child or any sort of, but, like... yeah, like, if somebody murdered someone I cared about... Yeah. Or, you know, just someone around me in my life, so I someone, feel like yeah. I would hold that against them for a very long time. Yeah, and I don't I'd be know... Like, you know, like, I, I'm, I don't know. I feel I like I, I would be one of those, like, vengeance killers who was like, I gotta seek my revenge. He definitely felt that way at first, so, you know. But, you know, like. Props to him. It's, that's a major, let's, uh, you know. Well, he was like he was more at peace for it, for, because he just, he was overflowing, obviously, with rage and vengeance. It's and hard to live with that much rage. Like it's exhausting to be that I upset. I mean, I have so much rage against <laughs> institutions, yep. against my own family, against yep. old friends. Yep. <laughs> like I have a lot of rage, and it's hard to live with. And there are a lot of times that I've had to kind of just forget those things happened and try to move on with yeah. my life because 
when I do focus in on that anger, I don't get anything done. It's it all consuming. It, it's all I think about, and I'm always like, how do I solve it? How do I fix it? The only way to do it is to move on. And it's really hard to do, but for certain circumstances, sometimes it's the best thing to do. And, and it's the only thing. We should practice that more because we're both very petty, but... <laughs> We've earned it, though. We've earned it. And it's not like we're going around killing people with our pettiness. That is true. Or being like, like, we're not going to name any, like, I named my father, but I didn't give you his real name. I mean, you can find him through my name, but that's not the point. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, you know, we're not going to name and shame them. We're not going to be like, these people are horrible. And even the people that we were shit-talking, we didn't wish them any harm and, like, you know, mostly what we were talking about was we felt a lot of pain. How it affected us today. You know, like, we are still dealing with the consequences of that person's actions. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, we don't wish them harm. We don't want them to be hurt. No. We don't don't even want to, like, confront them and shout at them or whatever. We just... We just want the pain... To go. To go away and and to be able to move on and, Mm -hmm. like... You know, sometimes that does happen by talking about it and, you know, sitting together and being like, hey, I felt that way too. Yeah. Or what you're feeling is valid. Exactly. You know, we're not telling people don't feel your feelings. No. Don't feel anger or whatever. Don't do that. It'll end up terribly. <laughs> but, you know, what we are saying is that, you know, we make a lot of choices and, you know, just because we feel anger and whatever doesn't mean we can't do something positive yes with that anger and with that pain like yeah something positive can come out so we hope that you guys enjoyed this father's day episode um we tried not to make it too much of a bummer and i hope you gained a lot from the things that we talked about in this episode maybe some insight or maybe you felt the same about certain things you're like oh someone else feels the same way or oh i never thought about that um, and it was a good, it was a good experience talking, talking about this with Mari and sharing with you guys. And if you, you feel free to join in on the conversation. Yep. That's why we went and got social media. Yep. You know, if you want to DM us on Instagram, that's Jasmine's place. Yep. So like Six Sad World Pod. That's the Instagram. And, uh, you can tweet at me. Um, well, at us, like, I'm obviously going to share the tweets. <laughs> um, like, I'm not going to be like, no, Jasmine's not going to know about any of this. <laughs> uh, but, like, tweet at us. Yep. Uh, six Sad World SSW. Yeah. Um, email us, sixadworldpod at gmail.com. We want you to be part of this conversation. Exactly. We think that these are important things to talk about. Yeah. And if there is anything you want us to talk about, if there's anything we've said that you think could we could have done better with or, or expanded on or or you know you, if you think something we've said is problematic because i'm sure that's gonna happen yeah um like please and it's not intentional but we were we are very willing and open to learning for sure yeah i i think between me and jasmine um like the one thing that we have like totally in common is that we we're, we're always trying to learn and grow and do better. Yeah. Um, even if sometimes we don't want to admit we messed up in the first place. But, you know, we've, you know, I think 
there's only been a few times I've ever had to, like, call you out on stuff. Yeah. But every time I have, it's always been, like, a very easy conversation where it's like, oops, sorry, what can I do better? Yeah. And then we move on and things get better. Exactly. So you guys, don't be afraid. We're not going to be upset if you feel like something, like there's something you want to talk about. I think that's it for this episode. Yeah. Are we ready to sign off? Yeah. So, uh, don't be a murderer. See you in two weeks. <laughs>